We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen! Touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. All right, Panthers fans, welcome back. It's another edition of the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire. John Ellis, Billy Marshall back together again after a little bit of a Thanksgiving break. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. Billy, what's up, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than a lot of people on Mint Street right now. I tell you that it's a ugly, ugly scene right now for this football team as they drop another one this time to the Miami Dolphins, and we're here to talk about that game and I guess kind of reset uh, where we see this franchise uh, as a whole right now. But uh, I guess we'll start out with the game, Billy. You've looked at the tape. I've seen you post some clips from it. Uh, it was a very unimpressive game in the trenches, mostly offensively, but let's get your opening thoughts on what happened. Yeah, I mean, it, Steve Palazzolo, who writes for Pro Football Focus, said this was their worst game in their history of pro football, the, the, the worst offensive line performance in the history of their uh, <laughs> database. So yeah. that kind of tells you all you need to know. I just think it was a failure uh, at every single level, every, everyone, not just the offensive line quarterback played poorly uh, wide receivers played poorly dj moore didn't set the right tone two drops to start the game um you know the other receivers didn't have great games like Catherine didn't run it well obviously he got injured coaching uh they got completely out coached too so whenever you know a game like this happens uh, it's not just one thing it's everything i just feel like it was just a combination of everything going bad and we can't just sit here and point the finger at one person or one unit it, it was a failure uh, coaching and personnel across the board. It was. I mean, it. you look at the entirety of this season here, and it, there's been plenty of ups and downs on both sides of the football here. Defensively, you know, look, the team has sort of held this group together, I think, for the most part. They've had their ups and downs lately, especially that Washington game. But when the game starts out with a block punt, Billy, I mean, this is just unbelievable. You get into a game where you've prepared, you feel like, you know, you, you hear all the platitudes again, this is a great week for practice, and then 
Once again, they open the game with a block punt that goes for a touchdown, and already you're behind the eight ball. I, I guess I had concerns coming in. We'll start with the offense here. Um, and I think you voiced these concerns too a little bit. You know, Brian Flores, I think you respect the way he coaches. I know I do. Uh, some of what they did against Lamar Jackson on tape was impressive, and I thought a lot of the cover zero stuff, a lot of the extra man blitzing was, was going to be in play. And obviously they got home with extra men, but they were also getting home with four. For the first time I can remember, Billy, an offensive lineman on Pro Football Focus got a zero grade. <laughs> that was Trent Scott. So let's just start in the trenches offensively, man. It was just an ugly game. You mentioned at the top what Steve from Pro Football Focus had to offer there. Uh, I agree. I just think they're broken in the trenches. It's hard to come back from that. And to me, it's just – it's not even – it's not even just one player, like – I'm just confused about how they're deploying their personnel. Like Dennis Daly has been a competent, if not spectacular left guard. Why was he playing left tackle? And Christensen was at left guard. Christensen has been improving at left tackle. Why can't we keep him there? Uh, I'm not saying it would have gone better, but I mean, it couldn't have been worse. And I'm just a little confused about how the self-centered line is reshuffling each time because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not good. It's just, uh, just seems like they're trying to throw darts on the board and it's clearly not working. No, it's not. It's unfortunate. I mentioned that during the game that, you know, Dennis Daly by no means is a left tackle. The investment was there uh, in a day two pick in terms of a, a left tackle who played left tackle in college, Brady Christensen. And uh, this is a guy that I think we both thought could, could serve them well in that spot at some point this season. I thought he played a pretty good game against Washington. Again, you know, I know they were out some of their edge rushers there, but um, it just it, it boggles my mind, Billy, that they can't build a unit here cohesively. And it's, it's a systemic problem. This has been going on for a while now. But this is as bad a line as I've seen in this organization probably since 2000, and it's probably worse than that line. That, that line gave up. Gosh, I forget how many sacks. It was a franchise record. But the amount of pressure the quarterback is constantly under and just the lack of cohesion is really concerning, is it not? Because they just there's no cohesion whatsoever. There's no – I know injuries happen. I get it. But their day one signings, again, were Pat Elflein, who's now playing center and not doing it at a very high level, and Cam Irving, who hasn't seen the lineup in weeks here. So just speak to that. Again, we can rehash this all day long, but their day one signings – or guys that have just not panned out at all. No, you're right, John. I think it just comes – it's it's a larger conversation about how they've – you know, it, it's not just this one game that is an aberration. This goes back to the off season and everything that they've done to address not only the offensive line but other positions. And it's rear, rearing its head. It, that's just the simple fact about it. It's Again, it's – when a unit continues to play this poorly, you have to look at the personnel. There's no fix to it at this, you know, at this hour. You have to wait till the off season, and you know, I don't know how they're going to address it next year. Fascinated to know, but it's uh, it's just a combination of things. I just think like they could avoid some silly mistakes. Just play Christensen at left tackle, put Daly at left guard where he's played. And, well, what's the point of Trent Scott? Like, he's clearly not, you know, the answer long-term. Daly is still young as a utility player. Christensen just drafted. Just try to use the young guys if you're going to get beat up like this. 
Not to mention that Deontay Brown, who was drafted in the same round as Trey Smith, is still nowhere to be found. And, you know, we talked about weight issues. Matt Rule had made the point of that midseason. And he's still nowhere to be found. So, again, that's just terribly frustrating. Again, you have young players. And I know he's a later-round pick. But, again, these are young guys you're counting on to come in and make your team better. And if you're in a developmental mode, again, which is what I thought they were in when the season started, you and I had that expectation, I think, coming into this season that, hey, you know, the Darnold trade, okay, that's weird, but let's see what happens. That was obviously a disaster. Um, you put them behind this offensive line, that even compounds the problem. But it all starts in the trenches. I mean, I just think that we've been hitting on that for a long time here. We can talk about Newton. I mean, look, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I think it's pretty obvious that he's still rusty. He's still a little raw there. How much has he learned this offense? I don't think that's a major issue. He's a competent guy. He knows how to pick up on schemes. But again, you saw P.J. Walker come in late. And as I said during the game, look, this is not a Newton problem. This is not really a Walker problem. This is a bigger issue. And um, just want to get your thoughts on the quarterback play right now. Yeah, um, yeah. the first interception was completely on him. It was a terrible throw. One of the worst throws I've ever seen him make. Yeah. Um, you, you know, a, a lot of those incompletions, um, you know, there was pressure as soon as he was releasing the ball. So, um, you know, you can't really look at those too much. But at the same time, it's just his accuracy and his – Rhythm with the wide receivers is clearly off. Uh, I don't think he threw the ball well either. Um, so it, it's it was a very tough game plan going in because you know Flores is going to make you work for it. And with that blitz heavy approach in this offensive line, you're, you're going to get situations like this with a quarterback who has very little experience in the offense. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I don't think the receivers helped him. DJ Moore had another bad game. He seems to have one of these bad games like every other month. I mean, we saw it, you know, against the Vikings. Now, yeah, another bad game this week. I think the, the second interception, in my opinion, was clearly on him. I mean, it's a big route. And Xavier Howard essentially just runs it out for him. And, yeah, like there has to be better timing from Newton. But it was – just a poor route. And that's the sort of thing, like a lot of people get mad at me about it, but DJ is not yet a, he, he's just not an elite route runner, like a Devonte Adams, or Stefan Diggs. That's just not his style. He's more like, um, you know, after the catch type player, like throw it to him in the you know, short areas and let him go field. And sometimes he can, you know, attack zone coverages uh, vertically, like he did on that long pass. So to me, I just think, like, Newton played terribly, and the receivers, DJ especially, did not have a good game. I agree. I mean, that, that first one was on him. The second one, the, the route was sloppy. You've been driving this point home about DJ, you know, probably more than most analysts out there, that he's just not very refined. I mean, we're in, what, year one, two, three now. Um, he's a veteran. He's going to start cleaning that, cleaning that crap up. Um, Robbie Anderson still yeah, – there's... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, Robbie Anderson still MIA. I mean, again, I, I didn't see the whole tape here. I've looked at a lot of what's going on in the run game. I paid close attention to the trenches here. But in terms of the wide view of it, um, you know, I was sort of on the tight copy more than anything looking at the line play. But I think, uh, you know, Robbie continues to struggle in terms of getting involved. Um, and that's problematic because they, they've invested some capital there in terms of the contract. Um, 
And I think the backs, I mean, let's just talk McCaffrey, I guess, for a minute here. He's out. I mean, this is not a shock. It's just I feel bad for him because he's a tough guy. He's a competitor. He wants to be there. You can tell you know, how heartbroken he was by his Instagram post on this. But this is the business, man. They poured huge money into this investment. And that money doesn't start kicking in until next year. And now they're sitting there with a situation where I admire the work that Chuba Hubbard's doing, and I, I, I like Abdullah a lot. But they're not as crisp at all as McCaffrey in terms of route running. And they're, they're just not as dynamic. So I guess I'm, I'm bringing a lot of people down with this podcast. I'm sorry, but this is just the nature of where they are right now. This McCaffrey deal has been a disaster. I mean, you shouldn't, you know, apologize for it. I mean, they got beat 33 to 10. It's not my fault. Previously. <laughs> And the previous week, they lost to Washington. I know we didn't do a podcast after that game, so they're not in a good place right now. Um, so don't uh, fret about, you know, voicing your opinion. I just think, John, like, maybe he has to just switch full-time to wide receiver or something because, you know, the hits he's taking and the amount of punishment he gets, you know, as a runner, it's, uh, it's just – I'm not saying it's ruining his career, but it's certainly, you know, not maximizing it. So – um, I mean, they just have to figure out alternatives. I mean, if you want to place that wide receiver, then I think that's a, probably a better way to utilize him than what they're doing now. I agree. I just yeah, I think there's a good way to utilize this guy, and I wanted to see more of that this season. And this is now two years in a row where Joe Brady hasn't been given an opportunity really to to deploy that. Um, but, you know, that's just a collective effort right there. They – a lot of people like to place this in the lap of Marty Herney, and I wasn't a big Marty fan. I know you weren't either, but, you know, Matt Rule was a big part of this process, too, in terms of, you know, the, the personnel decisions they've made since he's been here, these contracts. And, again, I like Christian. Um, I could go back and probably find clips of me saying, you know, hey, this is great. They've got him locked up. But at the time, I was reluctant. You know, I had some doubts about whether or not there's some sustenance there in terms of his ability to play a full season and that 2019, you know, stat line would knocked a lot of people off their socks. But we know a lot of that. You watched the games and so did I. A lot of that was racked up in games where, you know, he was really the only option to go to and Kyle Allen was the quarterback and that was that. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing for McCaffrey. That does not help matters at all because as I continue to say, I think he's the centerpiece of what makes this offense go right now. And, um, Leads me to Joe Brady. I mean, look, I know there's a lot of conversation out there. It's a narrative that continues about how bad Brady is at his job. Where are you with Joe Brady right now? Um, I don't know. Like, it's this entire coaching staff that I'm down on. I don't think Joe Brady is, you know, the culprit of anything. I just think it starts with their head coach. And, you know, he, he's failed to live up to expectations. And I know a lot of people got mad at me last week when I said that the I wasn't saying I wanted Ron Rivera back. I was just saying, like, if Ron Rivera and his staff were coaching the Panthers against Washington, they win that game by two or three touchdowns. Yeah. That's just, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying that, you know, Rivera has to come back or anything. I just feel like this head coach and his experience, his lack of, you know, adjustments and game management, it's, uh, it's cratering. I'm not sure what else to say, John. Okay, what do you think? Well, I want, to, I want to hit that in a minute. I wanted to really dive into this Matt Rule thing because there's a lot of conversation about him right now, and I've got some opinions on it, and it's probably going to hurt some people, but we're going to get it out in the open. But defensively I – mean, what, what, what is it? Well, I, let's, let's just dive into that now. Matt Rule, look, I think at the time, my biggest concern with Matt was, okay, there was a lot of talk about what he did well at Temple and Baylor, and I admire that. 
I have a lot of admiration for the guy in terms of what he was able to do on the college level. But I was boggled as to what the admiration was from the NFL folks in terms of how convertible this stuff was from the college level to the pros. Because, A, this rarely works. Kingsbury is one of the exceptions right now. But point I made on the radio yesterday is you look at his staff. He's got a former head coach right now as his defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, doing a hell of a job. They've got a lot of continuity and age on that staff in terms of NFL experience. So that was part of my issue with how they staffed up here. I'm, I like Phil Snow. You know that. I think he's done a good job here. Um, not so much against Washington. And then there's some flaws there in that Miami game we can look at. But I'm not sure it's going to work out, Billy. I'm not. I, I'm not a fan of how they're using their personnel. Um, I don't think he's doing a good job at halftime making adjustments. This is one of the worst third-quarter teams I've ever seen in terms of how they come out and just fail to adjust and adapt. And uh, I wish him all the best. He's being compensated handsomely. That's none of my business, but it's a coaching point to bring up in terms of not necessarily money that counts against the cap. It's none of my business. But again, when you look at this, it goes to thought process, decision-making, and how the owner sizes things up and makes his decisions. And this was a very, very, <laughs> to me, just an overreach again. And they've done this on multiple occasions here, just overreached for things and people that they didn't need to. Um, like I said, it's not my place to judge him as a human being, but as a coach, I'm not seeing it translate. You can't go out and start adding veterans, Billy, and get worse. And, and that, he talks about the brand and the process. And I'm just, I, I, I get to see what that is because it's just been scrambled eggs. That's what it feels like to me. There's no forward momentum. I just don't feel it. What do you think? No, I think you're spot on. Um, I'm, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the year, but nothing suggests to me that they, you know, will have it figured out by next year. That's for sure. Um, and it's just like, the same mistakes I made last year are percolating again this year. It's just the game management stuff is really not good. And the lack of creating an identity on offense, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's concerning. It is. And you drove the point home about Matt Rule's comments about wanting to reestablish their identity when they, you know, got pounded by the Giants and how Joe Brady very much, you know, is the offensive coordinator, but also this is Matt Rule's offense. I think part of the rationale of the signing of Newton, again, was to fill some seats and to make sure that they sort of flipped the tide there in terms of how bad the home environment was. And that probably came straight from the owner. But I think there's probably a good sense from Matt Rule's end that, hey, he could help our running game. And he wants to play downhill football and he wants to be aggressive. But again, that's just another Band-Aid because they just don't have anything in the trenches. Billy, they can't even run block. I mean, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, just they're getting put on roller skates in the passing game. They, they, can't, they can't create space. And it's just inconsistent. There's no cohesion. And then you see guys like Chris Reed, like you've talked about Chris Reed. He's gone on and played pretty damn good football in Indy. Um, so it just brings up the whole personnel decision again in terms of who you keep, who you don't keep, who you go out and sign day one, who you draft, how you deploy them. They just never – in training camp, I was there every day. They never got Christensen involved on the left side. They, they made a conscious effort to make him a right-side player. 
And to the point where they actually were considering at one point flipping Moten full side left tackle. And that's silly to me because then you just take a, a very good player who, who is not playing great right now, by the way, but it's a cohesive effort. You know that. You take a very good player at that point, and you take his strengths right out of his arsenal. So luckily they've kept him on the right side. But damn, man, it's just – I just want to see some forward momentum. And this is a, a crucial stretch, I think, coming down here. It's not going to be easy. You and I have talked about this schedule, how it's set up. They've given games away to teams that they shouldn't be. I mean, they laid an egg against the Giants, for crying out loud, and that's just still a very bad football team. Washington, look, I know we think very highly of Scott Turner, John Matsko. They're doing a great job offensively in terms of sustaining drives. I mean, no team right now is probably doing a better job at that in terms of just moving the football, protecting the football, and playing their brand of football. We're talking about the brand. Washington has a brand. Carolina has no brand right now. They've got a defense that's trying their hardest, I think, with what they got to work with. But even there, you know, rule bench is Derek Brown, his first-round pick. And uh, he did it, I guess he said in the presser, to teach him some lessons and to humble him a little bit because the tape wasn't good against Washington. But I don't know, man. I just – I don't feel the forward momentum I need to be feeling right now. And it's going to be tough with the Bills on the schedule, with Tampa Bay twice. Um, I, I – I want to be optimistic, but I can't just lie to people. I, I think it's going to be hard December. Absolutely. Um, what do you think of the defense? Billy, I don't know, man. Uh, too many mental errors still. I just The red zone stuff bothers me. Uh, Miami was three or four in the red zone. That, that can't happen. It, they're getting put in tough positions, obviously. You can't be on the field for 37 minutes again. I mean, that's not good. you got to get off the field. Miami was six of 14 on third down. 8 of 16 overall when you factor in fourth downs. I thought Burns played better. Um, I think you and I could agree he was not very yeah, good he against did. Washington. He was not very good against Washington. I, I, you were spot on with that. I looked at the tape, and that was not his best. Hoskins tape. was good, too. Hoskins was very good. Um, and I was glad to see Big Snack in the lineup there. Uh, Reddick, he's having a great season, but he had the taunting call, and he took responsibility for it, and that, that was crushing. Um, they averaged, you know, look, in the run game, they gave up less than two yards of carry, less than three yards of carry in the run game. I give them credit for that. Um, but mm-hmm. I just think, again, they're not good enough to have to carry this team all the way if they want to even think about the playoffs, which right now they're still on the hunt, but we know the reality of where they are right now with that offensive line. I think there's a lot of burden, a lot of stress on that defense right now, and occasionally you're going to see some cracks in it. If they can just get a little more help offensively in terms of some drive sustaining – they got to play from the head a little bit. That's where they're at their best. They're a little undersized. If they can pin their ears back a little bit and know they've got a little lead, that's where they're great. When they're playing from behind and they're having to, you know, really do some gap control defense type stuff, they're not at their best, I don't think. But I don't really have much bad to say about the defense. I just that's, – that's the least of my concerns right now. Dante Jackson's out for the year, obviously. Um, that doesn't help, but obviously he had a rough stretch there over the last two weeks. Maybe some fresh blood uh, with Keith Taylor and – with Henderson maybe gives them some new life there. We'll have to see. Yeah, no, I thought the defense was overall okay. Like, I'm still, you know, a little concerned about, you know, their approach the past two weeks, especially last week. I mean, Tua, he's not going to throw the ball long. Like, why aren't we pressing these guys to the line of scrimmage? Right. Like, you know, don't give Waddle these free releases. Just settle in that zone, and then he takes it, like, you know, 30 yards of field. They just made it too easy for Tua. Like, you know, get a, get on the line of scrimmage, press these guys, and then, you know, make him, you know, go through his progressions and hopefully the pass rush comes, you know, gets home by then. I just feel like it, 
<laughs> you know, it's too uh, simplified for the Dolphins' offense. I agree. I think it's a great point. I kind of overlooked that too. They played so much zone in that game, and it was it was soft. You bring in Gilmore, and I I could just I can't I can't say this for a fact. I just get just from talking to people around the league, I get the sense there's a little bit of frustration defensively too from some guys on how they're deploying people. Um, I know they're trying to work Gilmore back in slowly here, but they left, you know, Waddle out there free to run, man. And it was just he, – he just took what they – I mean, yeah, there was one play where Burris took a bad angle, and that's going to happen. But he just ran free, Billy, and that's what's going to happen. Who mm-hmm. had enough time to throw at times to just find holes in the zone, and, and that's where he's strong. And, you know, credit to Miami, credit to their offensive operation for getting it done. Again, the, the run game was not – what I would call exceptional. They just ran it 40 times and they were able to control the clock with it enough. But um, yeah, they got to get off the field on third down. They got to do better in the red zone. There were a couple of plays. Oh, where they, I mean, they took Burns and Reddick out a couple of times. I didn't like that. Um, but uh, again, these are just situational things they got to do better. No, I guess my only thing is, I mean, the Dolphins also have a pretty terrible offensive line. So, that's true. You know, if you're pressing the guys along scrimmage, playing some man coverage, you know, switching between zone match and whatnot, just give yourself a better chance for Tua to hold the ball because there was a couple times where Tua just completely like did not look some yards down the field. He yeah. completely avoided it. He had a touchdown on Waddle that he just uh, he decided to check it down instead. So like if you were pressing and just really playing close to the line scrimmage, force him to go downfield, then I, I feel like the you know defense have a little more success. I agree. Totally agree. So it's a 33-10 loss. Uh, the special teams too, again, this is a global thing. As Matt Rule likes to use the word global a lot, I'll say it myself. It's a global problem when it comes to this organization right now. The, the lack of just ability up front offensively to command the line of scrimmage, you, you can just suck the energy out of the entire operation. And then, you know, the special team stuff, too. I just, you know, it's been up and down. And then you have a punt blocked. And it just have it happen that easily in that situation. It was just a real bad look. And you just can't let things like that happen. Miami's a team that's coming on here. They're playing good football. But this is not, you know, the 72 Dolphins here. <laughs> this is a team that's in a 5-7 and seven clip right now. But, you know, hats off to Brian Flores. I felt like uh, this staff was outcoached. Big time. And uh, to your point about Ron Rivera, look, I don't think anybody would like to take – well, maybe some people might. I don't know. Would like to take Ron back. I think you and I agreed on our pod the timing was probably right on this to, to find a new coach. I just don't know if they've they found a better one yet. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. You know, I think we can all agree it was time to move on. But did they upgrade? Right now, I would say no because Washington, they probably – now they're the driver's seat to make the playoffs again in consecutive years, and that's not exactly a roster that's like much better than Car- I mean, I would say Carolina is a better roster. Panthers fans, football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Panthers tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other sites charge it, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? Well, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another site, 
TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Look, there's storylines all over the place for the Panthers this year at Bank of America Stadium. The defense playing lights out. Be there to see it all. Visit TickPick.com Roar today and use the promo code Roar to save $10 on your first order of Panthers tickets. That's TickPick.com Roar, promo code Roar. I agree. I just think it's a testament once again to, you know, coaching. I mean, I don't want to overrate the coaching, but this is where I've heard, you know, Steve Smith talk about this, and his analysis can be up and down, but I think he was right on this point when he talked to Kyle Bailey this week. Al Wallace brought this up too, former Panther, that, you know, this is the time of year where coaching really does take over and it starts to matter. And this is where, as you talked about, you can win or lose in the margins. And, um, what do you want to see this next month here? I mean, they've got a month of the season left to go here. They've got a stretch. It's not going to be easy. Of course, the Falcons are trending in a better direction. And they've got a block of games coming up that I think if you look on paper, they're just not entirely winnable. But they're still going to suit up. They're still going to go out there and try to do what they can do here. Um, what does Billy Marshall want to see from this team down the stretch to sell him on the idea that maybe this is sustainable moving forward? Has your mind been made up on Matt Rule or not? Yeah, I would say 90%. <laughs> I just – I really don't see it getting better. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is at this point. And I'm not sure how they kind of improve on it. It's the hardest thing I'm having a time with, too, is just thinking, okay, what, what, what could they demonstrate here over the next month that would make me feel better about the Panthers fans out there that are struggling with this team, continuing to lose games, and – um, I thought the Cardinals win was impressive, but there's just too many games where they're just missing opportunities with just, just bad decisions, bad situational management. And um, I, don't, I don't have a lot of hope that this is going to be a very successful tenure. Um, I, I think you know, we've got to examine fitter or two. I mean, obviously there's some moves that have been made here. Look, they went outside Cam Newton. I mean, there was a blockbuster move in terms of the, the buzz and the attention. You can't have games like that. And uh, you know, the line has a lot to do with that. The routes were sloppy. I get that. But um, that was part of the gamble with this, I think, emotionally for a lot of fans. Is, you know, there was so much excitement built up when it happened. And I kept telling people, look, what if they lose? What if they lose in that game against Washington? What if they lose the Dolphins? And now they're in the situation again where, okay, what's the, what's the direction? I'm already seeing talk about Kenny Pickett. You know, the, the mock drafts came out. And I, I love Pickett. He's a great player. Rule recruited him at Temple. Um, just sick of the quarterback cycle, man. It's just, <laughs> you see Teddy out there in Denver. I saw some tape you put out. He had a good game, right? Yeah, Teddy, he's good for, you know, a good game every other, every other week. Um, so I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, he had a good game against Dallas and the next week he did it very well against the Eagles, and now this week you look good against the uh, Chargers. But yeah, no, it, it's I'll say it once I'll say it again. I think they would have a better record if Teddy was still here. Yeah, that was your point during the draft. I mean, before they made the Darnold move, it was just you know, like just bring Teddy back, right? You were the one banging that drum, and it was. You know, people kind of scoffed at it, but I, I, as much as I analyze Teddy's deficiencies, and he still has those, don't get me wrong, it's like the same thing with Ron we talk about. You know, it's like maybe he's not the guy you bring back, but what are you doing next? 
what's your next move? And to have it be Sam Darnold was just unconscionable. Um, and now they're in a bad situation. They, they owe him $18 million next year. Well, I do want to get your thoughts on some of these college openings that Matt Rule's name has come up. I know a guy you follow, Honest NFL, he said that the Oklahoma should target Matt Rule and see if David Tepper would agree to some sort of deal to work out the massive buyout. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think, Matt, here's what I understand. It, it, Venables is, is really close with Oklahoma right now. Of course, Brent Venables here from Clemson. Um, I thought him and Stoops didn't end on good terms. I, yeah, I, I don't know the whole story behind that. I could be wrong. I'm just I'm going off the board here. No, no, that's, that's worth looking into. I mean, you might be right. I, I, I just think that's a real possibility, but I'm not counting out Matt Rule. Um, he's got to size up his situation. I did read, I don't know if you saw Albert Burr's column today, and Burr's pretty good about this stuff in terms of, you know, getting the pulse on things. He, he's got the sense that Matt pretty much wants to, wants to get this NFL thing a real go, and he doesn't want to leave on those terms. But who's to know? Who's to say? I mean, it, there's been, it's been a shocking sort of cycle here with Brian Kelly on the college circuit. That is, with Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, and the perfect storm that sort of leads you to believe that maybe one of these openings might end up enticing rule, and it would be probably the Oklahoma one, I would think, right off the bat, if they are interested, and I've seen enough buzz out there that would suggest that. So, you know, honest NFL, he's a good account. He's a good dude. And um, that, that's definitely not something to, to, to rule out. Pardon the pun, but um, I just depends on where he's at. I mean, I, I don't know Matt well enough to know if he's even happy right now. Does he seem happy to you? I don't know. This seems pretty miserable. Does he feel like this is something he wants to continue to grind through? Well, he's being paid a ton of money, so he's got that going for him. Uh, at the end of the day, I think Tepper, you know, he rolls around like Scrooge McDuck in cash. He's not going to be too concerned if he's got to, you know, go out and make a better move. This is, a lot of people hate Jim Harbaugh. This is the – my brother told me the Harbaugh is, is the guy that Matt Rule talks about being, you know, in terms of actually going and rebuilding stuff and doing it the right way. And I know people gave him a lot of shit about the Ohio State-Michigan stuff, but he got over that hump. Harbaugh's a guy I kind of wanted at the beginning as a pipe dream. Um, I like Jim. Uh, there were other names out there that I, I liked too. I, I know they had McDaniels lined up for an interview right before they settled on Matt. Don't know if that was ever going to happen because you remember Marty Herney was still there, and Marty talked a lot of trash about the Patriots. So it was kind of awkward too there. Uh, yeah, I could see Matt going back to the college ranks. I could. Uh, will it happen? I'm not sure. But uh, I think it's something worth monitoring. I mean, hell, it's these guys are all used car salesmen at the end of the day, Billy, especially the guys that come from college. You saw the Brian Kelly video. I don't know if you saw it today, but it got leaked out. His chat with his team at the end of the you know deal there and. It was about three minutes long, and it was, you know, very much, okay, thanks a lot, but, you know, i got to get out of here. Um, they're just all looking out for themselves, and that's just the nature of the business. So it's not a knock on Matt. It's just the business. And I think uh, if, if Oklahoma came calling, he'd listen. I really do. Supposedly there's a lot of heat in the last hour or so on Matt Rule to Oklahoma. Joel Platt just tweeted, how about OU fans feel about Matt Rule? Yeah. Yeah, and Joel is kind of plugged in with that program because yeah. Fox, I do a lot of Big 12 games. Or I guess Oklahoma's in the SEC now, but just keep your eye on it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just uh, saying to keep your attention yeah. on that situation because, um, hey, never say never. No one 
no one, I certainly did not see Lincoln Riley going to USC. I certainly did not see Brian Kelly going to uh, LSU. No, no, those were stunners, especially the Lincoln Riley thing that set everything in motion here. So, yeah, no, Clatt's really plugged in here. Again, we're recording on a Wednesday afternoon. This will be out on a Wednesday night. So, so you guys know the timeline of this that are listening. I mean, that's kind of where Billy is talking about some of the reporting out there and some of the buzz. And Clatt, you're right, he's really plugged in. So um, we'll definitely have more on that on our next pod, whatever happens here. But um, I don't know, man. I just, I'm never a big fan of like midseason firing. So I think you, you let this one play out. You just see what Matt can do if that doesn't take shape at Oklahoma. Um, but I don't know where the owner is on all this. I mean, there's some suggestions from like Joe Person that, that probably leaned to giving him one more year. But I'm telling you, man, there's frustration in that locker room. I know that for a fact. And I just think if, if things don't get better over the next month, if, if things don't feel better to those in the locker room, he's got a chance of losing the whole operation. I don't care what you're getting paid, man. It's easy to lose the locker room fast. So he's got to find a way to hold this group together. You can't go to, down to Miami and get 10 first downs and 10 points. It's just that's, – that's not sustainable. I guess we'll put a bow on this one here and start to kind of look forward to – the Atlanta game next week. we got a bye week here, but Billy, any final thoughts as we uh, wrap up the, uh, not a sobering podcast, but just a good reality check here on where we are? No, not really. Um, be interesting to see what they do next week against Atlanta, but not looking good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, as old Coach Fox said, it is what it is. We just have to keep an eye on everything. All right, well, we'll, Reconvene next week, give you a Falcons preview as we go into that game, and uh, hopefully we'll come back on the other side of that with maybe something good to talk about. For Billy Marshall, I'm John Ellis. Thanks for listening to us on the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire.